The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. As always, you are joined by myself, your host, Alex Fishbein, and we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to catch up on. Um, especially because uh, we missed a week, um, and that was a very eventful week, obviously. Um, I had to, I, I've been under quarantine for a little bit here, so um, I was just getting things under control in my own, you know, my own dojo. So I was getting some things uh, in order, but we are back. We are here, we are healthy, we are good, and we're back. So. Let's first start things off with the we'll, we'll go in chronological order pretty much. So we'll start things off with the NBA draft. Now, I have, you know, the list of which what each team um drafted in the Atlantic Division and I have some grades here. The grades are via CBS Sports. I forget exactly who wrote the article, but um the grades were their opinion and stuff like that. So I just wanted to find some kind of draft grades just to kind of, you know, uh, base some things off of it and, and kind of, you know, match up what we're thinking based on what other people are thinking. So we have some of those on there. So without further ado, I want to kind of go in order of who I think won the draft versus who I think um, did not draft well at all. So I want to, we'll, we'll go from the bottom to the top. And well, one team that I think just didn't really do anything of any kind of note for the draft was Brooklyn. Um, I kind of feel like that was... Uh, pretty much expected of them like with the team that they have you know they're they're obviously going for everything right now uh with Kevin Durant coming back Kyrie coming back um they got the new coach and Steve Nash and everything they're obviously putting pushing all the chips to the center of the table and they're going after it you know really starting with this season so we kind of knew that you know the draft picks weren't going to be anything big um Really, the only draft pick they had was the 57th pick in the draft, and that was Reggie Perry, a uh, power forward center out of um, Mississippi State. Uh, according to CBS, they gave that a B minus. I mean, he's probably decent to come off the bench if he does get any playing time at all. He, I remember reading that he was more of a stretch big, so, you know, be able to play the perimeter a little bit. Um, but the the thing that was more of note was during the draft, they did trade and get Landry Shamet and Bruce Brown. Um, Shamet, I think, is going to be big time for them because now you have Joe Harris and Shamet coming in. Um to, I mean, really give you a, a great amount of shooting surrounding two superstar offensive players. Um, not just superstar offensive players, but some of the best scorers we've probably seen in the league 
for, uh, you know, of all time. So um, bringing in Shemet, I think, is great. Having another 3 and D kind of wing or slash shooting guard on there is, is big in and of itself. And I just don't really count that as, like, the like winning the draft by just getting that trade. So I have Brooklyn there at the bottom. I mean, I don't think it really affects them all that much. The trade was good. The draft pick, we'll see if uh, if Reggie Perry ends up getting any playing time. So after that, I want to go to... Now, I've been going back and forth about the, the these two drafts, but I think that Boston probably had the second worst draft. And I feel like Boston normally does draft pretty well, uh, especially out of what we've seen. I mean with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, those guys really playing very, very well. Um, they even have Tremont waters coming up who was, um, I think he was rookie of the year in the G league. So, uh, he, he contributed some meaningful minutes as well in the bubble. I believe it was, um, so they, they do usually draft pretty well, but you know, they still have some misses as well. Um, with the 14th pick, they took Aaron Neesmith from Vandy, uh, Vanderbilt. Um, I think that was a great pick in and of itself because it, he was a big time shooter. I mean, he worked his way up to some great shooting numbers at Vanderbilt. And, uh, that's definitely what, you know, one of the things that Boston needs, um, on top of obviously, you know, they still needed like the, uh, a rebounding and defensive big man and stuff like that. But having that shooting coming off the bench, I think is going to be huge for them, especially if Neesmith turns out to be what, I mean, everyone's expecting him to be, uh, CBS gave that pick an a plus. That was the only a or higher pick that they made with pick number 26, which I thought was weird. Um, they ended up picking Peyton Pritchard from Oregon, the point guard, nothing against Pritchard himself. I think that Pritchard is a, is a, a decent player, but I just thought that, uh, you know, the point guard spot wasn't exactly something that they needed. Uh, I mean, you have Kemba, Marcus Smart can run the point guard at times. Jalen or um, Jason Tatum can bring the ball up as well. Um, I mean, off the bench, you still do have, like I said, Tremont Waters, uh, you still have Carson Edwards. I mean, you have guys that have that ability to play point guard. I just don't really see what the need in Peyton Pritchard was. And CBS pretty much agrees with that. They graded it a C plus. It was just all around just a strange pick. I'm not really sure why that was even made. Um, and then 47th was, seemed to be kind of like a draft stash kind of player in... Um, I'll probably butcher the pronunciation of his name, but Yam Madar from Israel, uh, another point guard. That pick was a B, according to CBS, and I think that the main reason why it would even be a B is just because it's a draft and stash. You know, you have someone later on that can contribute if you really need him to come over. If you don't need him to, no harm really done. Um so I'm interested to see if the, they'll bring him over right away just to try him out and see like what uh, like if it'll work out like through practices and stuff like that through some training. But um, in the end, I just found it weird that they went point guard, point guard, like not even try to hit on one of the big men in that area. Uh, it was just 
kind of confusing to me. Um, so after that, I would then put Toronto. So they also went with a couple of guards. The 29th pick, they went with Malachi Flynn from uh, San Diego State. That was a point guard, B+. And I think, uh, I mean, obviously we'll talk about free agency once we're done talking about the draft here. But I think that uh, a big reason why this pick was made was because they weren't sure at the time if they were going to re-sign Fred Van Vliet. So maybe now that we know Van Vliet is coming back, it might not be as high of a grade of a pick. But at the same time, you could be grooming a guy for once Lowry leaves too. So while they do have their point guards pretty much all laid out as it is, I think that getting Malachi Flynn is at least decent to, you know, have a guy there behind Van Vliet, behind Lowry, learning from, you know, two very, very good players and leaders at that as well. Um, obviously two guys that have also won a championship. So there's, uh, some even more valuable, um, knowledge and, you know, veteran leadership that you could learn from. So I think that, you know, that's just good to have another one in the ranks and on his way up because I mean, Flynn is a guy that has been projected to be a good player, um, you know, in his seal is potential ceiling. Um, and then with the 59th pick, they took Jalen Harris of Nevada shooting guard. Personally, I didn't really watch him play all that much. I don't know like everything about Jalen Harris. CBS gave that a B plus as well. Um, I think it's just a good idea for the Raptors to kind of stack up on some guards since you will be losing Lowry probably soon within the next couple years at least. Um, and you, like a lot of your younger guys are still in like the wings or or the big men. Like you have Boucher, um, you have Siakam, and then you have OG Ananobi. Like you have some guys that play those wing and, and big man areas that are still really young. So at least bringing in some youth to back up the guards that you have now and have them learn under them I think is a – big time plus. So that's why I would kind of would put Toronto as like the third best draft of the Atlantic. But um, after them, I would probably put, see these two, I think I'm going to put the Sixers second just because the Knicks actually surprised me in how well they did with this draft. But I'm going to put the Sixers second. Now, did not expect Tyrese Maxey to drop all the way to 21. They took him at 21, the point guard out of Kentucky. CBS gave that a B plus. Um, and then they had four second-round picks. However, two of them they used to make some big-time deals. Not big-time in terms of, you know, bringing in superstar players, but big-time in terms of finally turning over that roster in a way that was super beneficial. More so one of those things, well, at least the one trade for the 34th pick was in addition by subtraction. That 34th pick was part of the Al Horford trade. Um, we're going to go over some of the trades a little more with the free agency side of things, but obviously... As anybody can see, you don't have to be a Sixers fan to understand that, that that getting Al Horford 
off the books, first off. Second off, getting him, you know, out of this roster makeup was the best thing for the Sixers. And that's not a dig at Al Horford. It was just pretty much the roster itself was not built in a way that it's going to be beneficial. Having Horford and Embiid, I mean, first off, playing them at the same time was not good. Um, the times that Horford did, you know, start when Embiid wasn't available, they were very, like, wishy-washy, 50-50 type of nights. It, it just, it all didn't work well. Then, the 36th pick was part of another trade that saw them um, shipping off Josh Richardson but bringing in Seth Curry. Obviously, another trade that addresses a lot of issues that the Sixers were facing. And then with the 44th pick, um, I think it's 40, is it 44th or 49th? I can't really read my handwriting right now. <laughs> um, that was Isaiah Joe of Arkansas, another shooter, a shooting guard. CBS gave that an A. And then 58th, they brought in Paul Reed from DePaul, a power forward, which CBS gave an A minus. So it was crazy to me that they bring in Daryl Morey, and honestly, he just like hits this draft out of the ballpark, especially with the trades. Because going into this, everyone was like, "There's no way they get rid of Horford," you know, with that ginormous contract he has. There's no way anyone's going to want to take that, or you get really any value back from it, or anything like that. Meanwhile, they got Danny Green out of it. They got Ferguson out of it. Um, yes, they had to give up a couple picks, but they are protected. And so they get that off the books. Then he brings in a sharpshooter in Seth Curry. Then he, he gets another shooter in Isaiah Joe. Paul Reed can stretch the floor. Tyrese Maxey, a very, I think, underrated uh, player for, like I really didn't expect him to drop the 21 I feel like he dropped way way too far in the draft and picking him up I think is huge you get a point guard that could probably at some point start alongside Ben Simmons and uh, uh, on top of that I mean just a, a point guard to have off the bench as well without having to rely on someone like Howell Neto um, I think is huge in and of itself um, obviously, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to have to really wait to see how that all turns out. But as I said, the Knicks, I think, won the draft out of all the Atlantic teams. I was super surprised because it's the Knicks. And a lot of times we watch them draft and there's people crying at their picks they're making, even though, to be fair, the pick they did make with Porzingis was a very good pick. Obviously not with the team anymore. Um, they got very extremely lucky at number eight. Obi Toppin dropped all the way down to them at eighth. The power forward from Dayton. I mean, he probably doesn't need an introduction. Most of you guys have probably heard of Obi Toppin. CBS gave that an A+. I give it an A++. At 25th, they took Emmanuel Quickly from Kentucky, the shooting guard from Kentucky. I was kind of surprised that CBS gave it a D+. Um, I thought it was a pretty solid pick down there. 
yes, you could have. I mean, there was a couple other guys around that area that you probably could have taken. I think a lot of people wanted them to take Malachi Flynn, the point guard, because obviously with the Knicks, they need a point guard. But, I mean, I kind of like that pick in Emmanuel quickly. Get another guy down there. Get another, you know, guard in there um, as well. Because you already have, like, R.J. Barrett who can play, like, the 2-3 spot. Um, and then you already have Mitchell Robinson who can play the center. I mean, you have a, 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 couple, a couple blocks already in place. And I think these two... Um, I think, well, I think Obi Toppin should be another main block, but I think that quickly could be your supporting block. Um, and then from, I'm counting with this, this with the draft because he's a rookie, but they signed Miles Powell, one of, if not the most decorated player in college history, and also uh, probably the, the, best scorer we've seen in college ball for a long, long time. Um, bringing him in as an undrafted free agent, uh, I think is huge in and of itself. Like they really, the risk reward there is high reward, very low risk because you're not, you know, fully committed to him with a, a whole lot of money or anything like that. And you're giving him an open tryout to see if he can bring that ridiculous level of scoring ability to the professional game. And on top of that, he's pretty much a hometown kid because he's from, you know, right across the bridge in Jersey and Jersey loves him like their own son. So, I mean, having that type of, um, uh, pull to get people to come watch him. And if he turns out to be, you know, as good as he's been, in at Seton Hall, I think that's going to be amazing. So I think for the Knicks, I was very surprised. They hit it out the park. To me, the Atlantic in terms of winning the draft goes Knicks, Sixers, Raptors, Celtics, Nets. So moving on, I mean, there has been so much that has happened in this free agency that I have two pages of notes for it. <laughs> um, so what I want to do is I want to start from the, like what happened first in the beginning, and then we'll work our way up to what happened recently. So we'll, we'll go to the, tr the, uh, trades. Well, some of the trades I've kind of, I tried to highlight the things that will mean the most. There was a lot of like lower level signings that I think in the end, we won't really hear much about, you know, uh, as the, the season progresses coming up and stuff like that, I think that, you know, some of these deals will kind of just be in the background. So those kind of deals I wanted to just kind of eliminate because we already have two pages of stuff as it is. But let me take a drink because it's going to be a lot. So we'll start off with back um, during the draft, the Sixers traded Horford and I think it was a first round and a second round pick later on. Um, the first round pick is protected for Danny Green from OKC after OKC traded Schroeder for Danny Green. So the Sixers picked up Danny Green, got rid of Horford's contract off the books. Then they also traded Josh Richardson and a pick for Seth Curry. So right off the rip, I love the trade. As a person who has followed the Sixers since 
I've been able to remember. Uh, I mean, the only time I think that, you know, a trade has worked out as well as these did was like, you know, some of the trades that Hinky traded essentially nothing for like five picks. But I just feel as though notoriously the Sixers are usually terrible with trades. I mean, they made the trade that got them in this whole it was it was a trade that got them in this whole process in the first place when they traded for Andrew Bynum, who never ended up playing, and they traded like almost their entire future for it, as well as Andre Iguodala. Uh They're they're no stranger to terrible trades. Um, they're also no stranger to signing past their over the hill players that were once good to huge contracts. See Chris Weber. Elton Brand, I mean, maybe it's a just a big man thing because now without Horford. But whatever it may be, Horford out, Danny Green in, Josh Richardson out. Now, Josh Richardson, I didn't really have an issue with on the Sixers. I thought that he brought a lot of energy at times. But the only thing with Josh Richardson was, I think, the consistency. With Richardson, you know, you had a game where like if you had to grade his game that night he would give you a game where he was an a and then the next night would be like a d minus there was no like okay a game b b minus b plus b a d a no it was like a d d d d a d d like the consistency was just not there he his offense was decent but with a team like this that really needs more shooters around a guy like Ben Simmons and people to not pack the paint for for Joel Embiid who I mean his his best scoring area is obviously down in the paint um I just just don't think that Richardson really fit the team all that well which obviously is a ongoing theme with the whole Sixers roster that happened so both trades love it Seth Curry coming in I think is probably one of the most perfect guys to go alongside Ben Simmons also to go alongside a guy like Joel Embiid because now I think with Seth Curry you can even run that dribble handoff that they used to run with JJ Redick I think you can run that even better with Seth Curry because I think that um Seth Curry is a better ball handler than J.J. Redick. So I think you can run that even better. You could probably run pick and, pick and rolls with Seth Curry and uh, Ben Simmons. And on top of that, you got a guy for Ben Simmons to drive and kick to. On top of, I mean, you also have Danny Green who can shoot that as well. So, um, so another one, Kelly Obre is going to Golden State after... Um, the reason that was all done was because Chris Paul from Oklahoma City was traded to Phoenix. So then for Kelly Obre and some others and some picks, Kelly over to Golden State, especially with the news that Clay Thompson is going to be out for this coming season. First off, I'd like to say I was really depressed that Clay is now out again for another whole season. Um, hopes and prayers out to his speedy recovery. It sucks that we don't get to see the Splash Brothers yet again for another season. 
Um, and I really hope that when he finally does come back that, you know, this whole process of getting hurt, coming back, getting hurt, coming back, doesn't, you know, really change much in his game or in his daily life or in his, you know, athletic ability. But, um, I mean, this is a solid move by Golden State to still kind of, you know, scrounge something up to, to, um, remedy losing clay their starting five presumably would now be Steph um Wiggins Kelly Draymond and then probably James Wiseman that they just drafted with the number two overall pick on paper that starting five still looks extremely deadly and still looks like a playoff capable starting rotation um I think now you just have to see who the role players are going to be, who the rotational guys are going to be. Uh, the good thing is that this past season, they were able to really see what kind of um, guys they were able to keep around to be those type of role players. Um, and it, I think that, you know, you still have a good amount of those guys that will be able to contribute with this, this current iteration of the Warriors now. Um, so overall, I like the trade. I really like the trade by Phoenix to get Chris Paul. I think that Chris Paul is, uh, you know, one of, if not the most perfect guy to go alongside Devin Booker, because first, first of all, it takes some heat off of Devin Booker, because if you leave Chris Paul open, he's going to make you pay. Second off, Chris Paul's, um, IQ, his floor general ability, his passing ability is all going to be humongous pluses for Devin Booker, um, passing him open, getting him, you know, great passing lanes to, you know, cutting to the basket, hitting other guys that are open like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and all of those guys, just all very, very good options for Chris Paul. And on top of that, Chris Paul has shown that he's been a pretty good mentor on top of it. Like, you know, when he was in Oklahoma City, I think he was a great mentor for Gilgis Alexander. And when we do see him with younger teams, I think that we see Chris Paul flourish even more. Uh, like we saw him, you know, very frustrated all the time and everything with James Harden. We saw him very frustrated and everything um, most of the time with the Lob City Clippers. But then you put him on a younger team and it looked like he was having fun and he was, you know, amazing again. So I think that him being in Phoenix is both good for him and for Phoenix. So I think that's a great trade by Phoenix. Also a pretty good trade for Golden State to get a guy like Kelly Obre in there. Um, for really not all that much. Like, they didn't really have to trade all that much to get him either. Um, so I'm just going to rattle off a few things here, and then we'll talk about them. So Christian Wood uh, leaving Detroit. He signed with Houston. Then Detroit decides to sign Mason Plumley, Jaleel Okafor, and Josh Jackson. Uh, I love the signing by Houston, especially with... Um, you know, with Daryl Morey gone, they also traded away uh, Robert Covington, if I remember correctly. They're pretty sure they traded Coving Covington to Portland. Um, yeah, with no more really, with, with like no big men on the roster anymore, uh, since they tried to go with that micro ball under Daryl Morey, 
I think that signing um, Christian Wood is big time because not only are you signing a guy who's really worked his way up and really uh, showed that like he can hang in the league when he was on Detroit last season, but you signed a, a, a very promising big man to probably a little less money than you would you know, any other big man that, you know, with that, excuse me, with that same kind of like uh, caliber of skill and level of potential and everything. Um, but then Detroit, I just don't understand what Detroit's doing, honestly. Like, I, what, what sense does it make to sign Plumley and Okafor? I understand Okafor is probably not for a lot of money. Plumley gave him a little bit of money after like at that point why not keep around Christian Wood I know you're gonna have to pay a little bit for him but Christian Wood's not old you got plenty of years left with Christian Wood for him to still I don't think Christian Wood has even reached his ceiling yet first off and second off like I said he's not even an old guy like I don't understand why you would swap out Christian Wood for Mason Plumley and Jaleel Okafor. The Josh Jackson signing, okay. He might, you know, still have some kind of, of you know, fuel left in the tank to get to somewhere in his potential that people originally thought. Probably not, but he might. I just don't understand Plumley and Okafor. I really don't. Um... But so, Wes Matthews to the Lakers, I like that signing. A really good role player to have there with LeBron and company. Malik Beasley, uh, re-signing with Minnesota, four years, $60 million. I think Minnesota had to sign him to that kind of contract. Otherwise, there was going to be a lot of suitors knocking on his door, trying to give him more money. And ultimately, you know, the Timberwolves lose a solid player. So I think they had to do that. Um... Is he worth all that? That could be a different story. But anyway, um, moving on. So Clarkson staying in Utah. I think that was a good signing by Utah. You know, Clarkson has really given them some good sparks uh, scoring-wise, and I think it it helps give... Um, Donovan Mitchell a little bit of a break sometimes. So, and speaking of Donovan Mitchell, he resigns the max with Utah. I think that's a no-brainer. You obviously give him the max. You obviously keep him around. He's the reason why I like no disrespect to Gobert or others, but Donovan Mitchell is the reason why Utah's even relevant. Um uh, another one to sign the max, De'Aaron Fox. Also think a no-brainer. One of the best players Sacramento's had in a while. Definitely keep him. Probably the best player since DeMarcus Cousins. Um, Dwight Howard goes to Philly on a veteran minimum. I think that was a great signing by the Sixers to back up Joel Embiid with Dwight. I remember seeing that. I think it was like first take put up a graphic saying that Dwight Howard was going to start at power forward. There is, if they do that, I... I don't know what I'm going to do because why in the world would you start Dwight Howard at power forward alongside Joel Embiid? The moment, like the year after, it doesn't work with Horford next to Embiid. 
why would you do that? Whoever made that graphic deserves to be fired because that is the dumbest lineup. And if Doc Rivers ends up doing it, he deserves to be fired too because that makes absolutely zero sense. But I like the signing as long as he's the backup because I think that's a quality backup, especially with how he played for the Lakers and everything. I think that's a quality backup to have behind... Um, uh, Joel Embiid. Now, Alec Burks signed with the Knicks. Decent signing by the Knicks. I think that's a lower level guy that you can bring in, you know, still give you a little bit of competition and a little bit of mentorship for some younger guys. Joe Harris stays with the Nets. Four years, $75 million. Very well deserved. Joe Harris has been shooting the lights out the last few years. Has really, you know, carved a space that any team, like if the Nets didn't sign him to that, any team would have taken Joe Harris. Any team in the league would have taken Joe Harris. So good job by the Nets to keep him, especially alongside Kyrie and KD. The surprise, one of the surprising moves to me was Montrez Harrell going to the Lakers. A, because with the rivalry going on there between the Clippers and the Lakers and you know, the way that the Clippers were supposed to be this past season versus what actually happened. I didn't think someone from the Clippers, especially a guy like Harrell, who, you know, was more of the enforcer, energetic, emotional type. I was surprised to see him go to the quote unquote enemy. Um, as you saw, like Pat Beverly reacted to it, like what, what is happening? Um, Good on the Lakers to get the sixth man of the year and the runner-up for sixth man of the year in Schroeder and uh, Montrez Harrell. They upgraded big time from some of the guys they had. Uh, so, it, like, the rich got richer in that in that aspect. And with the Clippers, I think you're, like, you're going to have to go get some some quality people now because I'm pretty sure the Clippers also lost to Michael Green. So, yeah, you're, you're, I mean, I'm not saying you're screwed. You still have Kawhi, Paul George. You still have, um, guys like Beverly and, and Zubak. And like, you still have these pieces that are there. But, you know, with Harold gone, you had Lou Williams, but I think that Lou Williams is now finally starting to hit the point that he's slowing up a little bit. I don't know if maybe it was just because that, you know, they just had a lot of people to give the ball to, but it kind of looked like he's starting to slow down a little bit, which is natural. Um, but anyway, if uh, we go to the next one here. So Jeremy Grant, three years, 60 million with Detroit. Another questionable signing by Detroit Jeremy Grant to me is the guy that comes in as like your final like missing piece to a championship that you know can can do a lot of different things he's a Swiss army knife type of player and can give you starter or six man minutes but not to a team like Detroit that is still rebuilding and trying to become relevant because uh, let's not forget, like we said earlier, you also signed Plumlee and Okafor. You still have Blake Griffin, but you let go of Christian Wood to get, like, you have four power forward centers now. 
that are all kind of lackluster and not no no dig it at Jeremy Grant like I'm not saying like he's bad but he's not you know a, a guy to be your number one option and lead your team obviously they want that to be Blake Griffin but with him getting older and the injury issues he's been having it doesn't look like that's going to be the case so a lot of this doesn't make sense uh, Berton staying with Washington five years, 80 million, no brainer signing. Definitely should have keep him. Uh, Rockets signed Kenny Wooten, the two year deal player from the Knicks. I am on tape last year saying that the Knicks should have signed him to a real contract and have him backing up Mitchell Robinson. I think Wooten is a big time defensive player that any team is going to be happy to have. I think he's going to be like a Nerlens Noel type with that type of athleticism, the rim running, the defensive ability, and be a very, very solid backup big man. So I think that was very uh, a very good signing by Houston to get a guy uh, to go behind Christian Wood. Then you have Mo Harkless to the Heat. I think he fits into that whole style of ball that the Heat played this past season perfectly another defensive player that's going to fit very well into their defensive system and also be a three and d type of guy um the heat lost crowder but they got avery bradley another similar thing i think he fits into that system very well he can be a ball handler whenever you need him to in a pinch also be a three and d type of player um the Bucks sign Augustine, Portis, and Jalen Adams to a two-way deal. All three of those, I think, are quality signings that, you know, good role players. Jalen Adams, I think, can be way better than a two-way type of player. So, excuse me, three guys that I think really quality for the Bucks. Fred Van Vliet, as we talked about uh, or touched on earlier, staying with the Raptors four years, $85 million. I think the Raptors needed to do this to be completely honest. If they wanted to stay in this this position that they're at, if they wanted to stay relevant with, you know, the area of the East that they are in currently, they had to re-sign Fred Van Vliet. This didn't really break the bank either. There were other team other people that got more money. One of those being Gordon Hayward to the Charlotte Hornets for 4 years, 120 million dollars. Has Charlotte learned nothing? Has Michael Jordan learned nothing with the Nick Batum contract? Now, on our website, basketballsocietyonline.com, as you can see on the sweatshirt, our our guy Aram talked about how this could be a very good thing for Charlotte signing Gordon Hayward in terms of being good for LaMelo uh, Ball, um, in terms of just, you know, not being a completely dysfunctional team around him. However, while I do agree that you don't want a completely dysfunctional team around him and you want to give him some quality guys as he's, you know, hitting his his, his important growing years, um, this isn't it. 30 million bucks a year for Gordon Hayward. So you're paying him until he's like 34 years old, who... If we're being honest, after his injury was nowhere close to the same player he was in Boston. And I mean, it's the same amount of years as Fred Van Vliet, except he's getting 35 million more dollars. And Fred Van Vliet won a championship. 
And Fred Van Vliet helped his team big time get to, you know, a, a deeper playoff run, almost win that seven-game series last year. Whereas Gordon Hayward has kind of been disappearing. Like, he really hasn't been doing much. He hasn't been contributing that much to winning for his team. And he's nowhere close to what he was in Utah. But you're giving this man four years, $120 million. That makes absolutely zero sense. The only team that has confused the hell out of me, other than Detroit, is Charlotte. You made a good draft pick, but four years, $120 million of Gordon Hayward? Honestly, at that point, I kind of would rather you sign uh, uh, Jeremy Grant to that three-year, $60 million deal. Or probably even do like three-year, 65. 30 mil a year for Gordon Hayward, though? At this point? That makes no sense. Um, but moving on, we have, uh, Rondo to Atlanta, decent, decent signing by Atlanta. I think Atlanta was very underrated in their whole free agency outcome so far. Uh, Mello going back to Portland, showing his respect for Portland, taking a chance on him coming back and um, repaying him for it. I think he's going to continue to do well there. Uh, Nerlens to the Knicks. I think that is a solid pickup, um, as I said, I thought Kenny Wooten was like Nerland, so getting Nerlens to back up Mitchell Robinson, decent. The only thing now is you need a point guard that is able to utilize Nerlens effectively. Um, Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague to the Celtics. I like the signing of Tristan way more than the signing of Jeff Teague um, because Tristan is precisely what the Celtics have needed for a while, so I like that. Um, Caldwell Pope back to the Lakers. Not surprising. Also good re-signing. Um, then we will go... What else? Oh, Serge Ibaka going to the Clippers. Very good signing by the Clippers to get Ibaka in there. Ibaka was also... I mean, he already has some good chemistry with Kawhi. And you get a, a pretty good power forward to come in um, since you have that absence of, uh, you know, Montrezl Harrell. Uh, left a hole there so um good signing by the clippers for that for that two more i think good signings by the bucks uh bryn forbes and tory craig i thought those are both quality ones to to really shore up that rotation i think they they have leveled up rotational player wise big time from what they what they have had um and obviously they got drew holiday so with that trade bringing in drew holiday huge the one thing that sucks the bogdan bogdanovich um sign and trade that not going through him never agreeing to it i think that whole thing is a huge debacle that should have never happened i mean why would you make this entire deal if you're sacramento without even asking the guy if he wants to go somewhere especially if it's a sign and trade obviously if you already had his contract and everything you wouldn't have to go through this whole thing but if you're signing and trading a guy not even keeping him in the loop about the whole thing this is why Sacramento is the way that they are, is the way that they, you know what I mean. It's not a mystery. <laughs> but anyway, that sucks for the Bucks. but with everything they've been getting um, in terms of rotational players, I think that's been 
a very solid job in getting a better supporting cast surrounding Giannis. Um, we already said Donovan Mitchell signs the max. Oh, so let's just, I just want to talk about what, you know, the, the assets that were moved in that four team trade for the Bucks to get Drew Holiday. So the Bucks got Drew Holiday and the number 60 pick Sam Merrill. The Pelicans got Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, first rounders in 2025 and 2027 and swap first round swaps with milwaukee in 2024 and 2026 the thunder got george hill josh gray and kenrick williams oh and zylan cheatham uh darius miller a 2023 protected first that was denver's and two second round picks and the nuggets got the draft rights to rj hampton one thing that I immediately thought was, how does Denver keep getting these guys that, um, you know, were once projected to be like really, really high picks and then have kind of fallen due to whatever it may be, whether it be injuries or they, in RJ's case, went overseas instead of college, whatever it is. How do they keep getting these guys? They got Bol Bol. They got Michael Porter Jr. Now they get RJ Hampton, who I think will honestly be a pretty darn good player. Um they just keep getting these like guys that are going under the radar that at one time were projected to be very top, like very top, top prospects. Um, and I think it's going to be another one that they hit on and they really didn't give, get rid of much, a 23 first, uh, protected first round pick. And I think, uh, like one of the, one or two of the second round picks might've been theirs, but that's really all they had to give up. I mean, I'll take it if I'm them. And then the Bucks obviously get Holiday. I think it was good that the Bucks got rid of Eric Bledsoe. I've talked about him before, and I don't think that Bledsoe is a championship caliber point guard. So bringing in Drew Holiday, getting rid of him, I think is a big plus. And the Thunder just continue to accrue assets as they continue their rebuild. Um, Jason Tatum signs the max with the Celtics. Duh. No-brainer, again. That, that should have happened from the start. Uh, Aaron Baines goes to the Raptors and the Raptors re-sign Boucher. Both good signings by them. Baines is the Sixers killer. He just always makes a ton of threes against the Sixers. He like triples his season output of three-pointers made anytime he plays the Sixers. And, um, you know, fill, trying to fill in those gaps that uh, are left by Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Um, Dario Saric returns to Phoenix. Good signing. Markeith Morris stays with the Lakers. Decent. I think it's an, an indifferent kind of thing. Uh, Houston gambles on DeMarcus Cousins. I think that is a very good gamble, a very smart gamble by Houston to also have him there along with Christian Wood and bringing in Kenny Wooten. I think you sure up your big man rotation that way. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does... If you still have Westbrook and Harden and you add Cousins to the mix and Cousins is even three quarters of what he used to be, dangerous. Big time dangerous. Um, and then you got Marcus Gasol going to the Lakers for two years, $5.3 Great move by the Lakers there. Bull Bull getting a two-year deal with Denver. Good job, Denver. Um, Brandon Ingram signing the max. Saw it coming. Uh, Bam Adebayo signing the max with Miami. Also saw it coming. Bogdanovich, instead of the Bucks, going to the Hawks for four years, 72 million. Big move by the Hawks. 
And it's not just done there. The Hawks also signed Danilo Gallinari for three years, $61.5 million. And the last one I have to talk about is the Kings just adding Hassan Whiteside because the Kings were like, you know what, let's just do something that probably won't affect anything and probably won't help us get to the playoffs yet again. So let's sign Hassan Whiteside. Just trying to get his 2K rating up. <laughs> but I know that was a lot, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA. Make sure you tune in next week. We are back. We are healthy. We are good. Hopefully, everyone had a great, great, great Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you all stayed healthy as well and had a great time with family and everything. And I want to give a shout-out to all of those that may not have been able to see their family or may not have been able to um, go somewhere for the holiday. I know it's rough. The pandemic has been very terrible. I, I feel your pain. I was one of those people that had to stay home. So just shout out to all of you guys. Stay strong, stay healthy, and make sure you take care of your mental health. That is one of the most important things. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com as well as the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.